Here we go. And welcome to Live from America podcast. This is Hatem. Uh, Noam Dorman have baby issues. He's going to call us or maybe join us later on. If he can, the owner of the comedy seller. We have uh, the new father who doesn't have baby problems right now, Lou Perez. Congratulations. Comedian from We the Internet TV. Hello, sir. Hello, thank you for thank you for having me. Yeah, um, no no baby problems today for me. My my <laughs> wife my wife has our has our little guy uh, in Jersey control? with uh, yeah yeah under control in New Jersey, far away from where my computer is right now. Oh, that's great! And uh, the very funny comedian Dan Natterman, finalist at America Got Talent. MA finalist, thank you. How do you do? <laughs> Hello, sir. And our guest of honor is Mr. Jim McCarthy. Jim is the co-founder and CEO of Gold Star a company that sells millions of live event tickets on behalf of more than 5,000 venues and producers. Welcome, sir. Thank you, guys. Great to be here. Uh, so, we're all on the same boat right now, huh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, Jim, uh, I know that you um, you did a survey for your uh, subscribers about yeah. um, how they feel about going back to live events yeah. and stuff like that. Can you share the information, what, you, uh, what we found out? Yeah, absolutely. It, it's actually, we're doing it twice a month. And so we've been doing this for a while. We're going to keep tracking, we'll call it the consumer uh, return readiness score. Mm -hmm. So we basically put a, you know, like a slider bar on the screen in front of them. And we say on a scale of zero to a hundred, how, how ready are you to go back to a live event in an in-person venue? And so, you know, everybody moves, moves the slider bar around and the average is, um, the average is just slightly over 40 right now out of a hundred. So there's still a little more, little more no than yes, but uh, hopefully we'll see it pick up in the weeks to come. Um, so I, and, and what that says to me is that there are people, and it's not that everybody says 40, it's that some people are ready to go today and some people are mm -hmm. you know, like zero. So it's, it's a real mix, but it's interesting to watch and see where that goes over the next few. And that's all over the, not, not just in California, correct? Yeah, that's all over the country. So the, 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 we're doing about, we're getting about 4,000 to 5,000 responses every couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. in top 15, 20 markets in the country. Um, and, um, and they vary a little bit from place to place, but that's, but that's the overall number. And, and do you ask questions like um, how many of the people have participated in, say, like outdoor drinking with groups of people or nowadays the, the protests? Because like, I, I wonder, I, I could imagine if you would go to, say, like a, bit, a major event, even like a protest, and ask people, they might be more willing to actually you know, get out there and go to a concert if they're willing to sort of take yeah. to the streets. And one more we, we haven't asked that question yet because we've been, we've been asking it since the beginning of May. So that side of it hasn't come up, but um, that'd be pretty interesting, right? Like what's the distinction for people between doing something? I don't know. Maybe they think going to a protest has a, has a purpose or a value that just going out for, I'm not saying that comedy doesn't have value. I'm just saying yeah. they might see it as like, you know, worth it in a way that just going out for a night of fun might not be the good trade-off, but. Uh, Tom just joined, by the way. Yeah, can I just point out, is this Gnome's OnlyFans right now? Because he has no shirt on. <laughs> and I'm he, like, did I pay he, my month? <laughs> my, my subscription? <laughs> he's, he's in the pool because the baby was crying, so he's there. Uh, hello, cannot hear you, Gnome. Uh, but well, we can see connecting you. to audio. Yeah, so, so Jim, what, where do you see the future? I mean, we have, we have uh, the owner of the comedy seller, New York and Vegas. Uh, we have two comedians and you uh, sell millions of tickets of live events. Yep. You know, so where do you see the future coming? Uh, <clears throat> hi, Noam. I so think that, <laughs> I know, Jim, nice to meet you. Um, 
I, I think the day is going to come sometime in the next, whether it's a year from now or six months from now or a year and a half from now that, that um, people are really excited to go back to a venue. Um, but between now and then, it's going to be kind of weird. Mm -hmm. I think it'll be kind of weird. What did you uh, think about uh, Chappelle's special where everybody had those Chappelle masks on? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it works, right? I mean, there, there are ways it can be done. Um, that also, a, a lot of people are doing these drive-in shows now where you drive into a space and then you have a little space next to your car where you can kind of put up your, your lawn chairs and things like that. And I mean, I think those are probably pretty safe. It's hard to pull it off from a business model point of view, but you know, I, I know people want to go. I mean, it's it's going to be, those things have been really popular everywhere they do them. But that's the thing with, with Chappelle's special, you know, the production costs more than, like, if you are a businessman or a producer, yeah. you're not going to do it because it's going to cost you much more. Chappelle yeah. can afford to do it. He wanted to do a statement, you know? So yeah. so it was uh, it was easier, but I don't think this is uh, doable for it. Do you do yeah. shows online now, Danny? Pardon? Do you do shows online? I've done about five or six shows on Zoom, yeah. What about you know, okay. Obviously, it's not the same, but... Um, Dan, are you charging for them? Well, I get paid for them. I, I haven't produced them, but people have produced shows and put me on the show and then just yeah. give me whatever money they, they give me. But but the show, yeah, the, the, it's a money-making venture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You well, know? I think this is the thing that we're... You know, I, and online live events are very interesting. I mean, after the first, you know after the world came to a halt a few months ago, everybody started doing all this free stuff, sitting on their sofa, playing the guitar or whatever. And I, and I feel like that phase has really ended because what, um, what the live entertainment, you know, business community is, is capable of is producing great shows, whether it's in a bathroom or on a, you know, on, in the Hollywood bowl or something like that. So I think we're going to see, and we are seeing more and more people who are producing great shows that are really worth paying for and people pay for it. I mean, we're seeing this at gold star because we almost immediately, after every venue in our in our industry shut down, we figured out oh, we better do something, and so we've been focused pretty hard on on online events. And when they're good, people will pay for them. So, I would imagine. I would imagine it gives the artist the opportunity to perform in kind of far out there, interesting locations where it, you wouldn't, uh, where you couldn't actually get a crowd to come see you. Like for example, if if you two wanted to perform in Joshua Tree National Park. Where it's just them, you know, redo, you know, replaying their their classic album. Right. I could imagine quite a few people, you know, uh, tuning into that. Totally. Yeah, and I mean, you know, I I think we're getting to the point where people feel like you could bring a crew in safely, and and do that, right? Like there was a time a couple of months ago when it was just like you can't even bring four people into a room. I, I think we're at a point where people feel okay about what it takes to do that safely and so if they can do that then they could stage some or like you know red rocks again or something like that right where some some epic setting where where people tune in i mean we were talking before we we went on about this bts show last weekend Seven hundred fifty thousand people bought a ticket to <laughs> to watch a k-pop concert online which is incredible that's a hell of a growth but how is that experience different than just putting out a dvd or uh you know a streaming thing yeah. on netflix you know. Yeah, well, I mean, I think you got to work to make it matter that it's live, right? So there's ways for the audience to to participate. There's way, ways for the audience to, you know, be involved somehow, you know, whether it's a chat interface or applause or a giveaway or poll or whatever. It's, you know, I mean, you can imagine different ways if you start thinking about the, the, the innovations you could do on a show that made it important that you were there when it happened. Um, I think people are going to do that more and more. I think that this, that online 
shows would really work very, very well for lectures, like uh, philosophers and people that have, you know, like there's all these lecturers that make big, big money to lecture, right? They get paid a hundred thousand dollars to give a speech for a company. I think that's where it could really, really be good because you can have question and answer. Um, you know, people could type in questions and, and you could have a really interactive kind of a thing. I don't know if, if, if you guys are in, in that business at all, like say Clint, say, you know, say, uh, the guy who captured bin Laden wants to give a talk or whatever. Right. 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 You know, that kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. Well, well, yeah. I think like inventing the forms of interactivity is going to be one of the keys about online events over the next, talking about the future of live events. I think what's going to happen is producers are going to make ways for, for the interactivity, whether it's Q and A on a lecture or something else. I mean, you could imagine like, Hey, every 750,000 of you who are watching this BTS stream, what do you, what do you want to be the opening number of the second set? People vote and you pick a winner, right? So that just gives you a way to, to feel as though you're, you're involved. But, but, but BTS have enough fans yeah. to, to cover that. So even if 1% if, if of their fans is 75,000 uh, people, you know, they have millions of fans. Right. But like in, in, in something like comedy, like stand-up comedy, you guys need reaction to, to it, yep. right? Or, hi, Norm. Hi. Oh, you can hear us. All right, there you go. I'm sorry, I'm from here in the beach. I, uh... <laughs> No, we understand. We understand. There's a rolly chair on the sand. So, so <laughs> let, let, Jim, let me ask you this. Percent, dude. <laughs> I, I, I know you, you also uh, talked about this before. The liability when opening up. Yeah. You know, that's, that's a okay. major thing. Obviously, Norm um, involved in that too. When you open yeah. up, what, what would be the liability for? Um... Uh, I'm, I'm just going to repeat stuff that, that I was told by Steve Adelman last week. Noam, do you know uh, Steve Adelman? No. He, um, I know him, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's, the, uh, he's part of the Event Safety Alliance, and he was the lead writer on the Event Safety Alliance reopening guide. Um, he was on our expert chat last week um, talking about the, the liability thing. So what I, what I'm, everything I'm saying is just sort of parroting what, what he said. But, you know, his, his point of view on this was, was actually a couple of things. One, um, he said there's just no way that um, a, a claim that somebody got COVID at your event is going to win in court because it's just incredibly impossible to prove that that was the exposure that got there. But he said it's going to be very easy for people to sue nonetheless. So what he's, he's advising venues and his clients to do is pre prepare for the possibility of being sued, but also not so much that they're going to likely lose that suit in court, but the, the suit itself is kind of a, a hassle and a cost that they have to be prepared for. Well, so it's interesting, right? Like the, and especially if the, um, if the cities and states actually produce at some point the, the rules, right? If they say, okay, everybody in New York, if you, you got to do this, 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 and this. And if a venue does those things and can demonstrate that it did those things, it's going to be okay. really hard for someone to go to them and say, hey, as a result of going to your event, I got, I got COVID and you're on the hook for it. Also, the, with, with COVID, there's such a spectrum too. you know, very mild cases. A lot of people have had it and didn't even know that they had it all the way to the really, you know, the really serious cases. So it's almost like where, you know, where on that line right. do you actually have like a reason to, to sue? Like I could say, yeah, I went to the, the comedy cellar and uh, I got a cold. You know, it's like I can't you right. know, then come out and sue that from a healthy person. No. Yeah, I, yeah, I think. Yeah, go ahead, Hatem. Yeah, I, I, I think it will be, it'll be hard because you, you, 
following the guidance of the city. So I think the city will be very careful. But if it's if as long as you do it, you'll be fine. I don't see I don't see uh, you know problems in that area. Yeah, his point was be prepared for the potential of some lawsuits that you got to defend yourself from. You won't lose, but you got to. You got to, and, and so one of the suggestions that got made was if, if uh, venues in an area or maybe comedy clubs as a group or something like that banded together to fund somebody who could respond to the lawsuits that came in, it would probably save people money. So that, that's just a thought that came out. Or of maybe that. they sign a consent or something before they that doesn't. According to Steve, that won't get you anywhere. Has they, there been any, any jurisprudence ever about people catching shit? Because obviously, you know, people can catch other things too. And is yeah. there any precedent whatsoever legally about somebody catching something from someone anywhere? You know, I mean, I've had numerous cases of food poisoning. I never even thought, dreamed or imagined that I would sue, try to find out where I got it and sue them. You can, you can. Oh, but can you? Okay. So, so, his, so I think in this case, the idea was there's, there's just no way to say, I got this from this situation as opposed to all the other potential exposures that you might have during the week. That's his whole point, right? To actually prove that. Luke, in Luke can't even track down his herpes. <laughs> it was a really good case of it too. <laughs> so you get it again. It could have been many people. Exactly. <laughs> you think you'd be able to narrow that down a little bit more than, you know, with COVID maybe. Uh, but you're not living your best life. <laughs> I guess not. What, what, do, what, do you, what do you think? Would Vegas open up uh, sooner than uh, the later? Yeah. There are, I mean, they're already opening a bit at a time. Open your casinos. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there's and a great there's a picture. Of... Have you seen the picture of the guy? Uh, he's at the slot machine. He has his yeah. mask on, and he smoke. He has a lit cigarette on the side of his mask. Yeah. So the mask yeah. is on. It's coming out like there, and he's playing the slots. That that guy's committed to living his best life right there. Like he's <laughs> going for it. He's like nothing's stopping me from doing my Vegas thing. Vegas um, opening yeah. now is like is it's like a bar opening for just alcoholics. Like can you like can you have <laughs> desire of the people to gamble who are going to Vegas now? I don't want any of the fun. I just want the gambling. Right. Correct. I mean that that is the core of their audience, obviously. So you know it's uh, it, it makes sense. Um, well, I'm you know, and the thing that the interesting thing about Vegas is if you look at um. Um, you know, organizations like Cirque du Soleil, one difference for Cirque du Soleil versus everywhere else in the world is all of their casts, crews, everybody is there. They live in Vegas. Um, whereas for the tent shows and the arena shows, they, they come in from, you know, 60 countries. So they could feasibly do a show in Vegas because the people are already there and the sets are already built and all that kind of stuff. So I think when you get to that kind of thing where the casts are local and the sets are already in place and that kind of stuff, you're going to see that first. You're going to see that before you see the big top touring or, or something like that, or the truck and bus shows, you know, it's just going to be a little while before that stuff is feasible. Jim, has there been any, um, have you seen any uh, virtual reality um, being used for any of these shows? Cause um, so much was happening in VR, yeah. you know, before this. So I, I wonder, is there immersive stuff happening now? I haven't seen much that that's commercial. I mean, I, I see a lot that's sort of like tech toys, but I, don't, I haven't seen anything much that, uh, you know, like live event professionals are bringing, you know, to the stage, so to speak, um, and charging for. I mean, there's, there's a project that a guy, a guy I know named Sebastian Hersher in New York, in New York is, uh, is doing, um, it's really cool. You, you, you wear the VR rig and you see a show that appears as though it's in front of you like a stage would be, but you also see the other audience members wherever they are. So it sort of creates this sort of virtual audience. If you're sitting in, in you know, 
uh, I don't know, Chicago or something watching that show and I'm in LA and somebody else is in New York, I can actually look around the room and see the others of you that are watching the event. So kind of create that audience feel. But I, th that stuff is still early. I think it's still early. I, I think the, I don't know how you guys feel about it, but I don't love the, the VR goggles. I, I find them a little bit, I don't know. I feel like, I don't know, someone's gonna conk me on the back I of the know. head or something. Like that. I think I did something at God. Have any faith in VR. Look, what, what we're doing right now is basically VR. I mean, it's not 3D, but I don't know if that would, would I put on a goggle to see Lou in 3D? I, Prefer to this? It's not really. It's like I'm getting 90, 95 percent of the experience that I'm going to get. But the thing is that would this ever substitute for you know a meeting for coffee? I I don't I don't see it. I don't see it. And and going to a club and going to a show, girls want to put on makeup and men want to take you out and pick you up and get drinks beforehand and socialize and then there's the after where do you go afterwards? It's yep. a whole the, the the actual show is such a minor part of most people's decision to go out they've already decided to go out then they start looking through the options and then they choose what they want to do uh the, the, the actual choice comes last most of the time unless it's like going to see you know dave Chappelle or somebody that that's su you know super magnetic but for the most part the, the uh, people who are coming to the comedy cellar would not put on vr goggles to watch it and stay home they just wouldn't no matter how immersive the experience is i don't think yeah, yeah. I, I think it's a long way from being an experience that most people are going to want to do. Do you think there's any, um, after COVID is over, that there'll be any lingering, like just, just, as, just as people are getting used to working from home, might a niche market evolve for uh, Zoom shows and online shows that, that last beyond COVID, in your, in your opinion? You're talking yeah. about comedy or porn? Not, not comedy. <laughs> I think you're right. Comedy is, is not the most... But I do think lectures, I think yeah, there is already that, like TED Talks and stuff. Yeah. You know, certain events that this yeah, I, good thing that this could be good for. Yeah, I, th I think it's going to be huge. I, I think it won't be a substitute for the live experience. I mean, you know, I've spent the last 20 years sending people to live shows and I believe in the value of it. Like, like you're saying, Noam, I mean, like that experience, just the, the, the kick of being in a place and the whole everything that goes around it is part of you know, what makes it special. But I do think that if, um, if live entertainment professionals keep working on this for the next year, it's going to get pretty interesting as another way of reaching customers. I mean, it's not new, right? I mean, like um, the Met Opera, the National Theater in, in the UK and others have been doing a, a, a virtual version of their product for 10 years. And what they found is that it's the best marketing tool they've got. They make money on it and they reach people in places that otherwise they never, never would have reached. And then if they do come to London or they do come to New York, they're 10 times more likely to go see a show. So I think that um, there's, there's a lot of ways that this can have value. It's not just duplicating the, the live experience on a screen because that sucks compared to, you know, sitting in the comedy club and whatever. But I, I do think that people are figuring out ways to make it super valuable. So I, I, Dan, I was thinking about this a lot like a month or two ago. Is this just something that's to substitute while we're locked down or whatever? And I, I think it, um, when we see people putting more and more quality into these shows, I think people are going to be into it in a way that evolves more and more over time. Not going to keep people out. I mean, I think they go together. I think they'll go to the venue and they'll also do, do the other thing and different people might do different things. I think it just needs to be uh, prepared because it's stages. You know, the first stage lockdown now, there got to be some kind of online entertainment until live events go back to, uh, to, to normal, you know? Mm -hmm. So, you know, uh, people need to work on something and specifically in comedy i don't know i mean like we talked about Chappelle, you know concert 
um, or or event. And and we said it's like very expensive to do that. You know, yeah. he can afford it, but it's not. It's not. But I I could see other stuff like that. But I don't know if the like the drive through the the make and stuff like that. I don't know if that will work. But maybe um, I don't know open area stuff like that. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, the way it's being done, it it um, it definitely can work. People have showed so far an interest in it. So, I mean, you know, you get a big parking lot and you spread the cars out and you create space next to it and you put the act on stage. Um, and and basically, it's, it's kind of like you guys, a lot of you guys are old enough to remember drive-in movies, right? Where you pay by the car load. Yeah, but I don't think... I don't the think car might true. work. I mean, the yeah. car might work because... Uh, if you if you if you pick a girl up and uh, take her to a date to see a comedy show in a car, you're that much closer to having sex <laughs> right afterwards. And 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 I'd say when I was single, basically seventy five percent of all the all the time I ever left the house was part of a, some sort of seduction I had, you know, planned or or you know some some hallucination of a seduction I was gonna have. But you take a girl out, you whatever it is, dinner whatever it is. So yeah, dr- driving comedy shows. Yeah, I get that. But you're not hearing so cynical. You're not hearing a whole lot of laugh. The comedian needs laughter, which <laughs> that, is hard to get when everybody's in the car. Who needs laughter when you're getting an HJ day. <laughs> and, and another thing, I, I don't think certain comedians will will agree to do it. You know, I don't know. No, they I, won't. No, yeah, yeah. If somebody's, you know, but listen, um, everybody's getting carried away here. The, the virus will pass. And we'll go back to the way it was. With some, with some, we'll learn some lessons from this. Like, like I've said before, I'm not going to any lawyer's office again. I'll tell you that. I'm not get, paying $50 to, and spend three hours in Midtown Manhattan to go talk to my lawyer when I can talk to her on Zoom. Uh, that, I think, is going to stay. I'll, I mean, I'd be irate if I had to go to her office at this point. But other than a few things like that, the, to, to, I, I, the, the unpleasant things that we had to do that we found replacements for I think those replacements might stay. And telemedicine. Things that we used to love to do. No, we're still going to want to go do them. We're, we're, we want to get back to that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I would like to congratulate Noam on having a, a lady lawyer. I think that's really, that's really great for him. I think he's grown a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, have every, everybody around him is a lady. Lady manager, lady. Um, I have a lady lawyer. A lady lawyer. Very good, too. I'm a lady lawyer, I have a lady accountant. Well, how many lawyers do you have? I mean, do you just have one lawyer? You probably have a lawyer for your uh, employee relations, maybe a lawyer for I other have, things. I have two lawyers. Uh, one, is, one specializes, you're right, in, in uh, employment issues, and the other specializes in everything else. And I have two accountants, uh, one that handles uh, uh, half the, you know, two corporations, and one handles the other two corporations. It's always better to have two of everything uh, because um, sometimes – one knows better than the other, and when they disagree, um, it's it's important to to know that it's always good to have two two doctors too is a good idea. At least. Oh yeah, I got that covered. Who podcast? Uh, <laughs> that movie where they somebody I think it was uh, Meryl Streep said to Woody Allen, "Call my lawyer," and I'm gonna have my lawyer call your lawyer, and he said, "I don't have a lawyer. Have him call my doctor." <laughs> Even when I've had two girlfriends, it's it's. They do try harder, but you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't get away with that for long. But if they you know, disagree a lot. The two girlfriends will find a way to disagree quite a bit. And, and by sure. the way, when I've, been, when I've been one of two boyfriends, let's put it the other way. Have you ever been in a situation where you were competing with another dude, with a girl you're both dating? I mean, you're, you really step up your game. Yeah. It's very true. 
right? Yeah. I think we'd have to be sexist about this. It works both ways. So, so um, are you selling any uh, online um, comedy shows tickets now, or is it free? Yeah, we're we're selling them. Yeah, um, for sure. Uh, the they started out being pretty much all free, and then we started to see people charging a little money. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's been a big ticket comedy show that we've had so far, and I I don't think there has been. I think they've been all sort of five dollar, ten dollar stuff. What we are seeing though is real money on other kinds of things like music and uh, you know other types of things. There's this thing in uh, in L.A. that uh, this this um, illusionist does this show. He sends a box of stuff to your house. It's a hundred dollars. It's a night of really cool like magic, and that, that that's been super popular. Um, and people are paying you know big money for that. But comedy, do you guys know of anybody who's charged? more than about five bucks, 10 bucks for a comedy show online. I don't charge much more than that for a comedy show in person. Yeah. 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 yeah I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. Yeah. I don't know if it will work, but you know, but what are the, um, I mean, it's been the, the, the protests have been going on. It's been three weeks or so. We should be seeing what the results are in terms of, of uh, new cases, which should, should give us some indication perhaps of, yeah, there hasn't been much. I mean, dealing with, I don't know. So, First of all, I just heard today that something like 50% of all the deaths in the country have been in nursing homes. 50, yeah. th 50 th so, I mean, so that really changes, you know, the risk to people who are younger. But um, uh, there hasn't been a big spike. It seems like, although there was an article yesterday that in New York, the contact tracers were forbidden from asking if anybody's been to a protest. But nevertheless, right. uh, it seems like outdoor events particularly maybe in New York where there was some, some degree of herd immunity already, uh, not big spreaders, um, which is good news. But also I was thinking that the, 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 um, the demographic of people who are protesting are younger and people with self preexisting conditions are probably more likely to stay home. So it may take a while before those cases, which are not likely to be severe, get spread to the grandparents or, or the people. So you, it might be more of a lag. Like right now, if people, they might not even get tested. Who knows? I mean, there's got to be some, there's got to be some degree of increase due to yeah. these 10,000 people shoulder to shoulder, some. Yeah, I'm in, I'm in Brooklyn. And um, so, you know, my, my geography is, you know, is pretty limited, but it's, it's really uh, disconcerting when our mayor is welding shut uh, gates to public parks um, to make sure people can't get into these public parks but then, you know, allowing, it's allowing disgusting. the word alone. Yeah, it's, it's in, and I think it sets up one of those things too, uh, that I think a lot of people have come out and been very skeptical of, you know, quote unquote experts, because it seems like we're being told one thing, but yet actions read another way. Um, and I wonder what effect that, what impact that's having on how people choose to congregate um, and, you know, well, Lou, where people being less cautious and all that. I know you'll agree with this, it seems like we're living, people don't realize it, but we're living in a little bit of a totalitarian time now because the government is really picking and choosing with no rationale other than the viewpoint that they prefer. Um, what, we're, what we can do and what we can't do, it's, it's kind of like uh, being a Sunni during Saddam Hussein, like, you know, totalitarianism isn't so bad if the, if the dictator agrees with you and is, you know, making sure that your way of life and the things you like are prioritized. 
Yeah, the, the, the whole the whole debate, the, the whole, um, you know, essential, essential versus non-essential, how that came down from above, you know, by, de by decree, your job is essential, your job is non-essential, and, um, you know, you must close down, uh, close down and, and, and see what happens. Um, I remember, you know, in New York, um, I, I don't know if the curfews are still going on, no. but the original one night, the curfew was 11 p.m. And I made a joke about it, like, oh, man, I'm married. I'm a new I'm a new dad. Like, could you make it a little earlier so I can feel like a badass for walking outside? You know, <laughs> can you make it eight o'clock? And then they then they moved it to eight o'clock. And it's also an issue, too, where 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 you see them picking and choosing even how law enforcement is is uh, is reacting to these situations where. There are, you know, buildings being, uh, you know, having the glass broken and the windows broken and law enforcement's nowhere around. And then you see peaceful protesters being, uh, you know, being knocked around depending on which, you know, which city you're in. It's, it's really frustrating and it's really tough to get an idea on, on you know, what is, what, you know, what's the reasoning here? I, I heard it speculated that some of it might be spite on this, there's all sorts of things going on, but, but just someone said that, you know, that the police are probably like, uh, yeah, if, the, if these leaders don't want to do anything about this, then let their property be destroyed, you know, and, and you know, they're, they're more angry at the, at the protesters. It's like, it, it kind of proves that police are necessary when the property is being destroyed. And so they may have some slight incentive to do that, but, but I'm sure probably 80% of it is that the leaders are just we have no leadership right now. They're afraid. They're afraid. They're afraid to um, enforce protection of property or uh, And they are ensconced. Not, there was some mayor was screaming about it because her her house was finally attacked, and she said, "This is domestic terrorism." But you know, she was responsible for for going easy. I see a lot of people who are like writers and stuff like that who don't have anything that can be looted. Mm -hmm. We're very like, you know, oh, you know, this is anger and it's important. And I had some bad conversations with people like that. I'm like, you know, you're a fucking journalist. Let's just imagine for a second that what was going to be destroyed was your ability to ever write again. Your career is what these, these peaceful, you know, let me take back the word peaceful. The people who are not protesting peaceful, when they burn down somebody's businesses, you need to see it as your career going up in smoke that would you then would you find some way to be sympathetic to them if they took away everything you had which is a career your your, your law degree or whatever it is but they don't see it that way they're ensconced and it's kind of disgusting that people can't you know the, the person whose store was going up in flames he might have been out there marching for black lives matter right i mean it's like what the fuck is going on that we we have no and and you can't even talk about it you might get fired it's crazy what's going on now. Oh, I, I, lo I love seeing the people who, who said, uh, oh, the insurance will pay for it. The, the insurance will pay for it. Not for one, having a complete mis not having an understanding of insurance, but also not having an understanding of livelihood. Good you have luck. people who work decades building up something. Good luck so. with the insurance. Good luck. Yeah. And, and by the way, what's interesting, Lou, Lou is a libertarian, and you don't like the police at all. And uh, like I've been reading Reason Magazine, which I'm sure you read. They're, they're all into defund the police and all that stuff. So, it, you know, I don't see why you can't be totally sympathetic. By the way, Ilhan Omar, of all people, spoke very movingly against the looting. Extremely passionate against the looting and destruction. Which, which I, anybody, decent person would. 
Yeah. But I, mean, I was like, I don't see why anybody thinks it's, it's um, contradictory in any way to be totally committed to this protest against the police and totally committed to stopping the looting and violence. Why do they have to, why does, why does, why do they have to compromise each other? There's no, there's no contradiction maybe, at all. Maybe the future of live events will be uh, protests. You know, we can organize a live protest. That would be, that would work. Yeah. Don't you think? Uh, I'm not sure we can sell tickets to that. <laughs> I, I don't know. So, so, uh, Noam, when you, uh, did you change your mind about ex when you expect to open um, now that New York is, uh, it's going faster. In what, what, what are, where are we at now in New York? I mean, what somebody phase? just texted me. Is it open in New York? I haven't been outside today. Did we open? No one told me. Uh, I'll, I'll outside dining is going to open in a week or two or something. And, and I mean, it, I don't think we're going to be open before uh, September, August, September. They said stage three will be next week. We're not what? stage. No, stage three won't be next week. And and uh, I'm, I'm very, I'm very skeptical. We'll see what happens. And they well, call it phase three. Stage three reminds me of cancer. <laughs> I think. Yeah. Well, how long until we're terminal? Uh, how long do we have to do that? Phase um, three might be a better uh, way to characterize it. Well, Jim, we'll, do, we'll do, you have, do you have new new um, customers? Like, uh, is anybody trying to promote something like Broadway show or something for the near future, or everything is on hold now? Well, it um, there are some places where they can do more things than others. So, Houston and Dallas, for example, are more open. Atlanta's more open. Um, and there are some people who are putting on shows in July and actually selling them now. So there, there are places where it's happening and there's a million limits, right? There's a million social distancing limits and how many people can be in the room and that kind of thing. But it's, it's still pretty light. And the, you know, things like aquariums and gardens and that, that kind of stuff where you're all spread out, <clears throat> that's starting to open up a little bit too. Jim, you know, um, uh, I, I think all, all of this stuff has really been just a, a huge test on people. Um, and I think everything that we're talking about now is getting uh, getting back to the you know to, to the sort of a root of humanity in that we want to be with other human beings. We want to gather. We want to have fun, even if it's just getting getting a cup of coffee. And the stuff that has been done, like the, the 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 psychological changes that this thing has had over people has been uh, been insane. I'll just give you an example. Like uh, Noam talked about restaurants being able to do outside seating, you know, maybe, you know, maybe next week. Um, there's a, a amazing pizza place by me called table 87 on Atlantic Avenue. Delicious. My wife and I, we were walking our baby and, and this was a few weeks ago and we saw tables outside and we got so excited. We're like, Oh my God, wait, we can go get a pizza and sit down and enjoy a pizza. And we did that. And it was fantastic. It felt like, Hey, we're back to normal, you know, back to normal for a little bit. And I go there the other day and there are no tables outside. And I go in and ask, um, hey, well, why aren't there any tables? The woman uh, who owns the place says, oh, somebody came by and started taking pictures. Then they called 311 to complain. And 311 said, if, you, if we come by and you have those tables out there, you're going to be fined $5,000. Right. Now, just ima I, I just can't imagine the psychology of somebody who, you know, during a pandemic, during a time of civil unrest and all that, where, where stores, they don't know if they're going, stores and restaurants, they don't know if they're going to be able to make it out of this, right? Is willing to, to file a complaint that, that could lead to them being charged $5,000. I, ha I had my reasons, Lou. Like, I just don't like, <laughs> I don't like pizza. Imagine seeing the, the, the phalanx of uh, protesters coming down your street by mm -hmm. the thousands. 
and you can't serve pizza to two people at an outside table. Right. I mean, it, it's mind-boggling what's going on. And it's all enforced by people being afraid to speak out. Um, I mean, it's, I, I'm obsessed with every day the people who are getting fired. Right now, there, right now there was a um, high school, I don't know if she's high school or grammar school principal got fired for something she wrote on Facebook about her, you know, wasn't anti um, uh, the police movement or anything, but just kind of like not taking, you know, lukewarm on certain aspects of the movement, maybe on defund the police. I don't remember what it was. And she got fired um, or suspended from her job. This is a, you know, this is a government job, right? So you think the First Amendment applies and she got suspended. And the accusation is that it was tone deaf, what she said, tone deaf. So now there's, there's, a, new, there's a new jurisprudence now. You, can, you can't yell uh, fire in a theater and you can't say anything tone deaf. That's the new First Amendment. Don't be tone deaf. Um, this is scary. It's quite scary, I think. And uh, anyway, I'm obsessed yeah. with this now. Yeah, there's a there was a principal uh, at a, a prestigious uh, high school in Chicago that has a, a very large uh, African American uh, uh, class of students. She's African American herself, and she had, um, I guess, she had given uh, her advice to her students to say, if you're going to protest, protest peacefully. Don't loot. You know, don't don't loot. Don't riot. And they want to and they want to oust her. They want to throw out a a, a black principal. For just saying, hey, don't don't mess who's, up your neighborhood. Who's they? What's I'm sorry. Who's they? The students. I, I think she. I think it was uh, alumni um, and um, other people calling for it. The uh, the high school I think is the same one that Michelle Obama attended when she was in, in high school. So it's a really I don't know prestigious. What's going on? I mean, we, on this podcast, Hatem looks for the anti Semites, right? I mean, like 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 we 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 want to air every view. We're not scared of someone's view and no, no view makes me feel unsafe i would i would talk to a nazi in a heartbeat and try to figure out what's going on with him you know uh this is like it is, it is, it is crazy time let me ask you guys something do you, do you think uh, about the com comedy specifically and and the events in general do you think the next step will be big stars that are going to sell tickets or uh regular uh or new comedians like obviously the ticket price is going to play a factor so is it going to be easier for uh comedians or for like you have to be a superstar to sell more then what do you think you mean uh, online stuff no, or no, just... no, like live when it goes back to live like I don't know. Chappelle, I mean... Kana, or like which would people prefer to uh to go to i think it'll be like it was before it'll be a mixture of of uh you no, know. I'm talking about the very beginning when we open up. Now, now, remember, people don't have money and stuff like that. So is the tickets going to go lower price or uh, with regular comedian or high price with, with you know, um, superstars? Jim, what do you think? It's a great question. Um, I think that the, um, the really big stars don't have the income crisis that some of the other people do. And so they they may sit it out until they can do it the way they want to do it. But I think maybe you're sort of mid-range people who maybe a, a comic with an agent, but still not, you know, Chappelle money in the bank or something like that is going to want to work first. Uh, and Pop, upper middle class comic 
drive a Tesla, <laughs> has to work. I think, a, I think a lot of comics are going to want to bite the bullet and go first so they can be the first one on the mic yeah. so they don't have to worry about all the other comics <laughs> breathing on <laughs> it. So no longer do people want to be the headliner. Uh, and, not, <laughs> be the and, and not to mention, it's not only the money they need of doing comedy, right? Yeah. yeah. For you guys. Not for me, but yes, I know, I've heard it. I, no, I see a lot of people, comics, talking about a psychological need to do comedy. That is not my case. I have no psychological need to do it. But uh, I know that many people do. I've had yeah. enough. I've been doing it 25 years. I've had enough. I'm, I'm working on a novel. Uh, if, if, uh, I, if that sells, I'm happy to, you know, hang out of the comedy cellar and do a set here and there and write another book. So you don't need the, uh, the laughter, the applause? The, the I don't think I ever needed it. I'll be honest with you. But this is an old story. I got in because I thought I was going to be on, I'd get a sitcom. That's what everybody was, what seemed to be happening when I was starting. Seinfeld, Drew Carey, Brett Butler. People, they weren't even that good. They had 10 minutes of okay material. All of a sudden, next thing you know, they were big sitcom stars. Uh, that's, I thought that was the path. Which so you know, gentlemen, I, I have to go. I I have um, you know, the sun's coming down over the east. You can see it, uh, and uh, over the west. That's Antigua, right? Actually, it's over the east. I'm on the other side. Is it always over the west? Even the other side of the globe? It's over the anyway. Sun's coming down. It's in the west. It's always in the west, right? Um, <laughs> it's, not, it's not like the seasons. It doesn't somehow flip. It's not direction. a northern southern hemisphere. <laughs> a long goodbye, Noam. <laughs> okay. Well, so anyway, what do you have to go for your kid? Yeah, we have a company and, and um, yeah. I'll tell you, I'm looking at that. That's Antigua, Noam. That looks really, really nice. I wish I was there right now. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, I know it's not real. Oh, that, that's not the island Jeffrey Epstein was on, right? That's a different island. Yeah, yeah. Real estate is very cheap here now. <laughs> Who thinks Jeffrey Epstein was murdered? Of course he was murdered. I, I'm watching I, that documentary right now. But what about I'm those reefs? No, I'm really quickly. Have you been reading about that spate of of uh, ha people hanging from trees and 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 they've been ruled suicides, but a lot of people don't think that they are suicides. I don't know if you've been. What do you mean? There's lynching going on or something? Black men that have been found hanging and oh my God. they've been ruled suicides, but on on online people are saying, well, maybe they're not suicides. They've been out four or five of them. Really? Where? Where? I don't know anything about that, and I, I, my God, I just, I pray to God, it's they're not murders. My God, that would just be, that would be chilling. Um, why, why would, why would, why would there be a spate of suicides? And all, well, suicides, all, suicides can often be um, contagious, especially. But hanging from trees. Well, if one person does it, and it become, it gets into the media, that that can trigger uh, kind of a contagion of suicides, from what I've read. But um, on, on the other hand, we've seen this particular pattern before, and it isn't typically suicide. It sounds like some, I don't know much about it, but it doesn't sound great at all. That's horrible. Where, where, are the, where, where is it happening? Uh, California, I think. Um, Southern Cal, and I think there were uh, Palmdale, California was one. Um, well, these are not... Um, are, the, uh, what, what, are these, are these uh, uh, left-wing California or right-wing California areas? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, think, I think one of the victims in California had been um, homeless for some time. Um, I think uh, his family had, had a tough time tracking him down and all that. Um, you know, ultimately, I mean, it's, it's 
you know, it's just so awful, but we're at a point where nobody trusts anyone either. You know, nobody trusts, if you're going to rule this a suicide, nobody trusts that interpretation nobody of what trusts the coroner, happened. you know, when the coroner for, um, for uh, the George Floyd, I mean, the Derek Floyd, George Floyd, or George, George. George Floyd, Derek Chauvin, George Floyd, and I heard calls, you know, to arrest the coroner for the initial autopsy. Uh, you know, so, so that's, that's, you know, what Lou is saying is that everything is a conspiracy, everything is a cover-up, everything is somebody's being paid off. I, I would say that people hanging from trees is, uh, is unusual enough to be, to want it, you know, to investigate it very, very, very carefully. Sure. Um, yeah. Because it's such a, I mean, Jeffrey Epstein committing suicide in a prison when his life is over is, is you know, you kind of you, you you kind of get that. Well, people commit suicide all the time, but but not that typically not in that way. Yeah. Do you think he killed himself or no? Killed Epstein? Yes, I believe so. I'm a paranoid man. I'm not going to say anything. I want to keep breathing. I don't know, Jim. What do you think? That's really upsetting. This. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, uh, who knows? I don't know. I wasn't yeah. there. I wasn't anywhere close. Jim, we're bringing you into so much shit that yeah, you I really don't need any life right now. <laughs> conversation. Yeah, I mean, I, who I, knows? I, I like that Norm is following people getting fired. Dan is following people that getting killed, hanging from a tree. It's like, why are you guys doing this to yourselves? You're like, well, it says here that it was hung in front of a library, one of them. So hopefully there's a video camera or something. Hmm. Security camera. I see, I see two people here mentioned. Yeah, I saw two, but I also on Twitter, I read there were four, so I don't know. But oh, yeah, I, I would take Twitter over the New York Times. I, I think they yeah. be more reliable. <laughs> Fair enough. But, um, but that, is that article, you know, up to date? There might have been more, in other words, since that article. What is the article? One uh, thing about Twitter is it's up to date. Whether it's accurate or not is another issue. But June 14. Yeah. So, um, Current incorrect, incorrect information. Yes. Oh, Texas Hispanic man. Oh, it's Hispanic. Oh, yeah. So now in Texas, no one Hispanic man found hanging from tree in viral video. I, I, this is too upsetting. This is too upsetting. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. Let's move on. Okay, um, I'm going. I'm going. I'm going. I'm going back to the beach. <laughs> All right. Good luck. No, why don't you? Can you? No, can you get out of town now? Could you go to Antigua if you wanted to? Sure. Why not? Then go. What the hell are you staying here for? Um. I don't. I don't want to travel. I, I like my home, Amazon. All all the evil um, monopolists bring me everything I need to my door. Between uh, Microsoft and Amazon, and uh, you know, every everything I need is brought to me right at my door. It's awesome. Uh, the life. The life. <laughs> well, to all of us. Yeah. Can you imagine? Do you, does anybody understand what this lockdown would have been like seven years ago? Mm. I mean. Forget about it. This is it's the best. How about in the eighties or then you know it couldn't have happened. In the eighties, maybe nobody would have tolerated it, but it said, fuck it, we're going outside. Yeah. I remember you know, in the eighties we all would have been wearing masks and we all would have been fine. <laughs> maybe in the eighties it would have been better because we would have been outside wearing masks. That's I really think there's something to that. This mask thing is, is no there's no end to the 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 um this the uh I know what the word is. It's just impossible to wrap your mind around the fact that we weren't wearing masks for 80% of this pandemic. Like when, when, and, and now we're finding out that it's the one thing which could have prevented the whole thing all along. This low tech, cheap solution 
No, you don't even need an N95 mask. Just any mask. Just put something in front of you. Just, I got a great idea. Why don't you just put something in front of your nose and mouth and we'll be fine. No, no, no. We need contact tracing. We need, we need a 24-hour test. We need, we need every high-tech. We need Dr. McCoy with an antidote. No, no, you just need masks. All right, I'm going. Bye. <laughs> Later. Thank you. Uh, Noam has left the building. Noam has left the building. Yeah, so... Um, that means we'll probably go back to uh, talking about live shows. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because he loves podcasts. You're welcome, Jim. We'll go back to talking about live shows. Hey, you know what? <laughs> You, you guys did did turn some dark corners during that last uh, 10 or so minutes, but uh, but it didn't scare me off, so here I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, I don't know, like, you know, how, how we take it from there, but, I mean, I think a lot of people are going to be um, ready to uh, to go back to normal, you yep. know, but, you know, is it going to affect the sales, do you think, uh, Jim? Like, Yeah, um, I think it's going to be a mixed bag, really, because... I think there's a, uh, and our, our data shows this, that people over 65 have a really different outlook on going to the venue than everybody else. And that probably makes a certain amount of sense. So I think there's going to be an ongoing impact among some people in some places more than others. And on the other hand, I think there's going to also be a lot of pent up demand. People are going to be raring to get back into a venue. So I think it's going to be really uneven. I think we might, you know, if you're, if you're doing a, you know, like symphony in a crowded, you know, hall, that, that audience is old and everybody's packed together. So that may be tough for a number of years. Um, we see when we measure people's like excitement about going to a venue that you got everybody, every age, you'd think maybe it would go from young people are up here and then it gradually goes down, but it doesn't. It's like everybody's about the same until you get to about age 65 and then it drops really far. What do you so, think the role of masks are? No one mentioned masks, obviously, yeah. just a few seconds ago. What do you think the role of masks will be uh, for live shows? I mean, uh, they I tell everybody had the Chappelle mask on. Is that the way? Yeah, I think there's going to be a time when that happens, and you'll know when this is over when you don't, when you walk into a, you know, Broadway theater or comedy club or whatever, and nobody's wearing a mask. That'll be like, this is over. I mean, the mask is, I find so uncomfortable that I'd probably just rather not go to the theater. I, you and know. you're not alone. You're not yeah. alone. Yeah, there are people that just won't do that. And I think, um, that it, again, it's going to be like, if you go to if you go to someplace like Jacksonville, Florida right now, you will find a room full of people, you know, without masks, watching a musician in a bar or something like that. Like that, that exists today because they, they're just like, eh, you know, I'll, I'll roll the dice. Oh, it's Florida. And, then, and then other people who just aren't going to do that. You just aren't going to do it. You know, there, there were so many things, um, you know, before this that I guess as I've gotten older, I, I'm easily annoyed and going to live events, like there were just so many things that would annoy me. I think probably the most annoying thing was people filming on their phone, you know, during the, during the concert, every single point. And um, I, I guess my hope is that, you know, the past two or three months have given enough people time for some introspection and say like, hey, you know what? When things open up again, maybe I want to like be in the moment. I and hope that people, that, you know, I, I go to so many like games and like the Knicks playing and down by one, three seconds left, they have the ball and people have their phones on. I was like, are you serious? Like, you're not Save enjoying the moment this. The Knicks are playing. I don't yeah. understand. What are you trying yeah. to say? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I have I have a question for you. And now, uh, let's say we we're open tomorrow. You know, yeah. for uh, live events, comedy. Let's say I'm talking about comedy. Yeah. And uh, there's so many people obviously going to do shows, you know, 
what's gonna make one show sell and not the other? Is it the ticket price or is it where the venue is playing or is it where the who the comedian is? Let's assume everybody in the same level comedian wise. Yeah. You know, what would yeah. be the factor that, that will sell more than other? Uh, well, you know, it, on some level you could like, for example, you couldn't sell, let's say a Broadway theater out under with normal, you know, sitting in a Broadway theater at full capacity today for anybody. I don't think right this minute, uh -huh. um, because it's just, people are, don't want to sit, you know, eight inches from a stranger, you know, for, for two hours. It's just a great way to get the disease. Um, so I, I think, I think the first things are going to be environments where people go like okay i can i i'll buy that i'm pretty safe here whether it's because i got a little space or there's a policy or whatever I'll, that that in this right now like if you talk about opening today people have to have a, a story that they can tell themselves that i'm safe enough that this is worth it that's mm -hmm. that's really the first thing and that varies from person to person but for the for the most part what we're seeing is that the people who go out to events a lot and that's who we generally talk to is people who are pretty frequent event goers, they, they feel a little bit of a need to establish some safety for themselves, even the younger people before they do it. Um, but, so, and, but the other side of it is, I think that, that once they get to that point where they feel like I can be safe, they will go see just about anything because people really want to get back out there. And that's another thing we ask people, how ready are you to go back to live events? And it's always like off the charts. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think that, um, um, someone who can put together that environment where people feel all right about being there and a compelling show is going to get people. It's going to get people there eventually a bit at a time. I have a question about, uh, about the online shows. What about uh, recording of online shows? Can, if I'm watching a zoom show, can I, is there a function in zoom where I can record what's going on? And if so, how do we prevent, how do we prevent that? Because obviously artists don't want to be recorded. And when we, when we go to live events, we can put our phones in the yonder bag. But at a Zoom event, perhaps there's a way to record what's going on. I don't think you can record it as a participant in Zoom. I don't think there's functionality no, for you no, to do yeah. it. In, the host can control if you can or you yeah. cannot. But you could probably find a way to record it if you really wanted to on your screen, you know. Yeah, um, you could just take a phone to it and, it, yeah. you know. You probably it, and it might be harder to then in a live venue you can keep track of everybody you can yeah. you can look to see who's got their phone out you use the yonder bag a little, little trickier maybe with zoom but um, yeah i mean you know I, I don't know how much market there is for a sort of second right that's second probably pressing, second pressing of a of a of a comedy show through zoom i mean it's not great to begin what with what the artists are mainly worried about is that a joke that they at least in comedy yeah they're mainly worried about a joke they're working on, getting into the public before it's ready, before it's, you know, and then, so that's their main concern. Like with Louis, when he was being recorded in Long Island and all of a sudden every, and he talked about the Parkland uh, shooting yeah. and, and he got in a lot of shit for that, even though it was never really meant for public consumption. I think that's that's one of the more, the great concerns about comedians right now. Yeah, that, that's actually a concern, that, that's an interesting one. I don't think anybody else in any other genre of live entertainment has that, that thing where, you, where you guys are like working out material in front of a live audience that's paid to be there. It's really, uh, I mean, you know, theaters have previews, but it's not the same, right? It's basically the same show. They're just trying to make sure they can do it. Um, that's, a, that's a really interesting, interesting one. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what the answer is there. I, th I think one of the things that could work is, uh, let's say that the comedy seller will have a lineup with comedians with a few 
audience member, you know, spread out or whatever, and you tape the show and then you air it. Like people can log in and pay a ticket online cheaper and, and like half capacity or something like that. Yeah. So I think you have the feel of a comedy. I think Noam is right that, you know, with the comedy center in particular, it's, it's, it, it, I don't think would work particularly well online. I think that's something people want to go to. That's in the village. They have drinks. They're with people. No, um, of course. But, but until then, you know, hopefully the until won't be that long. I mean, you know, if it's six months, we can hold out. If it's, if it's two years then it's a problem. What do you yeah. think, Jim, uh, this is going to go? You think it's, uh, uh, I think that a lot of things are going to be producing something similar to normal in the beginning of the year. I think, I think yeah, I think it's going to look something like normal or, you know, whatever you want to call it uh, early next year ish. And some things are going to go before that. Um, the head of the Broadway league said they're aiming for a January restart in Broadway, for example. And if Broadway's open, everything's open because it's so, you know, packed. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, I, there's, there's other stuff that I know is going to, is going to open this fall um, that, that, you know, will get you there. And, and people are a little bit more willing if there's space, they're a little bit more willing to sit in a smaller venue than a larger venue, even though it really doesn't have anything to do with how many people there. It has to do with how close you are to them, but people seem more uh, willing to go to a small venue than a big venue. Which doesn't fully yeah, and there could be masks involved, which are annoying. Yeah. Um, and but masks, of course, get in the way of eating and drinking, which at a comedy club is half the revenue and half the fun. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's not the case on Broadway. Most people just, you know, they just sit there and they. I mean, I guess there's a there's an intermission where you can buy snacks, but you get your uh, sippy cup of wine. You know, you sit there in your seat. You but I think cup. most people are just watching the show. Yeah. Whereas the comedy club, half the experience is the eating and the drinking. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and as you said, the revenue, like you can't really, you can't really run a comedy club on ticket sales. So, you know, it's, and also everything's funnier once you've had, you know, a few drinks, so. And, and laughter is contagious, you know? So you need yeah. people to be, you know, um, around you. So what's, what, what's your method now, Jen? Like what, in, your, in your company, what direction are you taking right now from now till then? You're going with online as much as possible or are you yep. still promoting? We're, we're, we're going with online events uh, to a great degree, and we're, we're actually going to be out coming out with a few new tools for that in the next month or so that I'll tell you guys about when, when, they, when they're a little closer to ready, if you're interested. Um, we're selling events all over the place. I mean, we had a thing yesterday that, um, you know, great online event that five shows were added just for the Gold Star audience. We sold them all um, at 100 bucks a pop. Um, and What, what, uh, what kind of event? It was the illusionist show that I told you about where they mail you a box of things and you go through the, you're interacting with the illusionist on your screen. Oh, okay. You end up doing the tricks in front of your own, like on your, in your home. It was really a lot of fun, like a tremendous amount of fun. Um, but other things too, where uh, Josh Groban has a concert coming up in a couple of weeks that, um, you know, a lot of people are going to go to. Um, so there's that kind of stuff. And then the other thing we're doing is we're just, keeping a close eye on what's going on all over the country in oh. terms of when, uh, when and where people are opening and how people are feeling about going back, you know? So there are places where they're more ready than others. The Houston, for example, is a market where according to our data, people are a lot more ready to just go ahead and go out than they are in New York city, for example, or San Francisco. So um, yeah, we're just looking every, so we are selling actually already a few uh, tickets to, to things that are live in-person events. 
but uh, so we're sort of, you know, kind of walking both paths for the moment. Oh, great. Uh, yeah. right, well, uh, to, to end up with, um, let's end with everybody. Uh, Lou, uh, what's your uh, what's your comedy plan for the next uh, uh, few months? Um, we're still producing stuff with uh, We the Internet TV, so you guys can check us out on YouTube and Facebook. And um, uh, check me out at the Lou Perez on Twitter and Instagram and and whatnot. So. And do you do any any online shows, uh, comedy or not? Um, I, I I haven't I haven't done any yet. I'm I'm uh, uh, I, I I really like performing in front of in front of an audience. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I don't know you know I don't know how well I would do you know on like a Zoom show. Yeah. And then I believe in Lou. I think that he would do a great job on Zoom, and they're not <laughs> as bad as and not as bad as you think. They're not great either, but you know. Uh, what do you want from me? At Dan Natterman on all social media platforms. Oh, thank you. And uh, you can, and of course, my podcast with Noam uh, live from the table on the Riotcast Podcast Network. Riotcast live from the table. Uh, Jim, do you want to yeah. share information? Also, if you want to give us a, uh, if anybody want to join. Uh, uh, Gold Star. Yeah, do, you do, do you do podcasts too and stuff like that or no? We, uh, yeah, we we have a a, an, a chat twice a month that we bring in an expert on reopening venues and live entertainment restarting that people can join. We have hundreds of people, mostly in the business. It's not really for, so much for just ticket buyers, the, the ticket yeah. buying public. But if you're in the business in any genre, comedy, music, theater, whatever, it's really been useful. We've been bringing on, on people who are experts on different parts of it, like Steve Adelman, who's on liability and. We brought in medical people and stuff like that, so we're doing that every couple of uh, every couple of weeks. Um, I'm Gold Star Jim on Twitter, so you can follow me there. Of course, just goldstar.com uh, or in the App Store, download it, sign up, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. We still got a lot of great fun things to do, even if some of them are online. So, worth doing. And once once all the open up, I'll send a lot of comedians and myself uh, producing uh, your way. Awesome, I have, appreciate. We have that. a market in New York and everywhere, right? I, we do, yeah. We got a million customers in New York, so we're we're eager to give them something to do again. The other thing I would do is I would encourage comedians who aren't doing the online show thing to think about how to make it fit the the medium. Like this is the thing that always happens. I, I was I was uh, in the internet business at the beginning of the internet business in the mid '90s, late '90s, and a lot of people when they saw the new medium come along, they tried to just take what they were doing mm. offline and just do the same thing online which it's it's kind of awkward you know so i think there's an opportunity here with a new medium of online live events you modify a little bit you think about what fits the medium of online live events you can actually get somewhere you know different and better so i think there's i i don't know and i can't i can't make specific suggestions but my my gut tells me 20 years of of selling tens of millions of tickets to millions of people in tens of thousands of places there's an opportunity for comedians to kind of crack that code and make real money and build their audience. Somebody will, just somebody will, just like when, you know, every every new thing, somebody conquers it. Yeah. Twitter, you had Rob Delaney before that MySpace, and that was Dane Cook. And so somebody will, somebody yeah. will become the online dude. Yeah. Whoever is going to figure <laughs> out a way, he, he's going he's gonna to be good, you know. Oh, and then everybody can follow them in. Because I just think as an ongoing source of revenue and audience building, whatever, online live events is a huge tool that's potentially in the tool belt of, of comedians. I, I don't know what the formula is, but you'll figure it out if you try. Yeah. It's my, it's my yeah. thinking. Yeah. Well, guys, thank you so much, Jim. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. And uh, uh, you guys stay safe. And hopefully we'll be working together soon on live events and enjoying it and everything.
Absolutely. Um, thank you, guys. Okay, everybody. Bye, bye. Thanks a lot. Good night. Uh, Tim, thank you, man. Thank you, brother. We'll talk soon. Yeah, Jim, great meeting you. Thank you for the conversation, man. Thank you.